This morning we invite you to the book of Titus, chapter 3. The book of Titus, chapter 3. And we'll be reading the first seven verses of this chapter. Titus, chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1, going down through verse number 7. Apostle Paul is the writer of this epistle. He is writing to one by the name of Titus. Titus is an an epistle, which is a pastoral epistle, which Paul is giving uh, instructions and guidance uh, to Titus. Uh, In verse number 1 of chapter 3, Paul writes, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior to Word man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of these verses. This morning we do want to continue on with that of our study of the doctrine of salvation. In our study thus far, we've considered the word salvation in Scripture, uh, the meaning of the word. Uh, We learned that the word salvation, that it can denote (coughs) deliverance, rescue, help, wholeness, or victory. And I'm sure there's probably several other words that we could uh, add uh, to that list. And then last week we uh, spoke to you about the need of salvation. We learned the Scriptures declare man to be a sinner. He's a rebel, uh, estranged from God, and that he is in need of deliverance from sin uh, and its awful penalty. In our study this morning, we will be reminded of our need of deliverance and God our Savior. Our need of deliverance and God our Savior. Now, the passage which is before us is basically three sentences. Verses 1 and 2 They make up the first sentence. Paul writes, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. The second sentence is, is verse number three, where Paul writes, 
For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceiving, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And then the last sentence consists of verses 4 through 7, where Paul writes, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You may wonder why I'm making such a big to-do about that of these verses breaking out to that of three sentences. Well, every sentence has that of a subject, and it has that of a verb, and it may have that of an object. It may have that of a direct, uh, indirect object. It may have that of an object. But there is perhaps that of one main statement in a sentence, and then there may be some sub statements that go along with that of the main uh, sentence. Well, that's the case uh, before us here in these verses. Now in verses 1 and 2, the basic statement is, put them in mind. Put them in mind. Or remind them. Paul is writing uh, to Titus and he's saying to Titus, you remind them. You say, well, who? We'll get to that in just a minute. The second sentence also has that of a main statement. And that main statement is, he saved us. He saved saved us down in verse number five he says not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy ghost and then the last well I went too far the second sentence it's found in verse 3 where he says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Uh, the basic statement there is, is uh, we were. We were sometimes. We were sometimes. But in verses 4 through 7, we have that of the basic statement, He saved us. So we have three statements and those three statements basically tell us what Paul is telling us in these verses. Remind the people. Remind the people about what? Remind the people, as we're going to see, to be good citizens. Secondly, remind the people what we were. What we were. And then thirdly, remind the people what He has done. Remind the people that He has saved us. So first of all, this morning, we're going to deal with that of the first 
uh, uh, two verses, uh, beginning with the first two verses, remind the people to be good citizens. Now, as we've already said, the epistle uh, to Titus uh, is a pastoral epistle. Paul is the writer, and he's writing to one by the name of Titus. And uh, in the first chapter, Paul tells us, as he writes to Titus, uh, the reason uh, why he writes them. He had left Titus on the Isle of Crete. He left him there uh, as that of a co-worker and one uh, uh, to take care of some items that were necessary with regards to that of the churches there on the island of Crete. Since I left thee to uh, ordain elders in every city and to set things in order in the churches. And so the whole epistle has to do with that of Paul giving instructions to Titus as to how that he is uh, to do this. And in the first chapter, Paul primarily deals with that of the elders, ordaining elders in every city. And uh, in so doing, he gives the qualifications uh, for an elder. Uh, qualifications that a man must meet in order to be an elder. Uh, in chapter 2, Paul deals uh, with that of the believers, and he does it in that of age groups. He deals with that of the older men, the older women, the young women, and the young men. And in those various groups, uh, Paul gives instructions uh, to Titus uh, for him to give instructions to these various groups of individuals. As we come into chapter 3, the... first two verses, Paul deals with that of a wider group of people. It's not that of merely believers, but it's that of the community that the believers live in and how that they are to act and live. And so that brings us to that of the first statement or the first point of our message this morning uh, Paul he says remind the people remind the people remind the people what remind the people to be good citizens now uh, we might ask the question well what does that look like what what does Paul tell us that looks like as far as being that of good citizens as that of the children of God well, Paul, he lists seven qualities uh, giving us a picture of what this should look like. He tells Titus to instruct the people that they are to be subject to rulers and authorities. He says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and rulers. Secondly, they are to be obedient. You'll note there in verse 1 he says uh, to be subject to principalities and powers and to obey magistrates. And then last of all in verse 1 to be ready to every good work. 
And then going on down to verse 2, he says, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so Paul, he tells us these seven qualities are qualities that ought to be exhibited by that of those who are believers in Christ Jesus in that of the community. Now, he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and uh, powers to obey magistrates. This would be, of course, that of uh, the Roman government, that of uh, the ruler at the time, the Roman uh, emperor, and then those that would have been in power of authority in that of the various cities. Those that were uh, in control of that of giving directions as far as that of laws uh, that people were to obey. They were to be subject to them, to obey them, and to be ready to every good work. To be ready to every good work. Or in other words, to be ready to lend a hand, to be involved in that of the community, uh, and to do those things that, will, that, would, that would help that of the community. Being a good citizen in the community. So obey those who have the rule over you as far as government leaders and be ready to every good work that is those things that are good those things that would be good for the community and then he goes on to say in verse 2 to speak evil of no man to be no brawlers but gentle showing all meekness unto all men the idea here is is speak no evil of no man. That includes all. The idea is that of slander here. But rather to be peaceable, to be considerate, to show that of meekness or that of humility. In other words, what Paul is telling Titus to tell the, the believers is, is they are to live that of an exemplary life they are to be good citizens and do those things that will be an example to others this brings up that of the question for us doesn't it what kind of a citizen are we in that of our community in that of perhaps that of our neighborhood what kind of citizen are we? Are we ones that keep the law? Obey those who are in authority? Do we exemplify those things? Are we considerate of others? Are we uh, generous, gracious to those who are our neighbors? Do we look after that of our neighbors? Are we considered? So the first thing that Paul says is reminding them to be good citizens. 
Beloved, as the children of God, it is imperative. It is imperative. Lest the gospel be spoken of in an evil manner, that we be good citizens. In verse 3, Paul goes on to say, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. For we ourselves also were sometimes. Paul here, he in writing to Titus and giving him instructions, he says, not only remind them of that of the fact they're to be good citizens, but remind them of what they were in the past. And you note here in these verses that Paul doesn't dwell just primarily upon that of those who were believers in uh, Crete, but he includes that of Titus and that of himself in the statement. He says, For we ourselves also were sometimes. Paul never failed to remind that of his writers of that of their past and that of the present. That of the past of what they were and what they had become. The change that had taken place in that of their life. And that's exactly what Paul here is doing in verse number 3. He's reminding Titus, he's reminding Titus to instruct the people to remember that of their past, what they were. He says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. The psalmist tells us, but the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That was you and me at one point in time. You say, well, I didn't deny that God exists. I acknowledge that God exists. But what about your life? Did you acknowledge it by that of your life? By that of the way that you lived? I would say to you that in your past, that by that of your actions, by that of what you did, you were actually saying there is no God. Foolish. Disobedient. The idea here is, is that of being rebellious. I don't know the backgrounds of many of you here tonight, uh, this morning. But I'm sure in, in the life of every one of us, there were those times where we were disobedient. Whether it was disobedient to merely that of our parents, or it was disobedience or that of being a rebel as far as that of things with regards to the community. That of obeying the laws of the land. Perhaps. Disobedient. Deceived. Deceived, led astray. Led to believe one thing rather than something else. Oh yes. 
That's men in general. They are deceived. They are deceived about that of their true condition by nature. Most would tell you, well, you know, yeah, I know I do some things that I shouldn't, but overall I'm okay. But that's not the case. We know from the Scriptures what the Scriptures tells us. The Scriptures tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so, Paul, he says, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived. As we think of the Apostle Paul, he was deceived in the sense that he thought that he was doing those things that was right when he took those letters and went towards Damascus to put that of those believers in Christ in jail. He was deceived. Which we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived. Serving divers' lust and pleasures. Or various lust and pleasure. In other words, enslaved to sin and that of sin's pleasures. Yes, sin. Sin is pleasurable for those who are involved in it. But the consequences are great. Enslaved. Enslaved to that of divers' lust and pleasures. Living in malice. Or, in other words, the life being one that was one that had that of ill will towards those who were around them. Living it out. Malice and envy. Envy. Jealousy. Oh, we see that, beloved, uh, in the workplace to a great extent, don't we? Those who would think that they should have gotten that of the client rather than someone else. Or they should have gotten the office there rather than someone else getting the office. And, of course, they would do anything in order to get it. Speak ill of that of the one that got it, perhaps. Speak evil of no man. Verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts, and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hateful. Mean. Do you know some people who are mean? They probably think you're mean. And in that of your natural state, you probably were mean. I was. Selfish. Wanting my own way. Yes. Hateful and hating 
one another. Not just being mean, but hating, hating those that are around us. Now this list is not a complete list. You probably already guessed that. But what Paul here in listing these items, what he does is, is he gives us a glimpse of it, of that of man in his natural state, that of his depravity, that of his sinfulness. You can look at other lists that Paul uh, uses over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and other places in the New Testament where he describes that of the past of various ones and you'll find other terrible things, sinful deeds and acts. He says we ourselves also were sometimes like this. But note verse number 4. Note verse number but, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior to or man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want to draw your attention first of all here to that of the but. We have that of a but here, and it's a big one. It is a but of contrast. It is a but of contrast in, with regards to that of the past and that of what took place afterwards. No, he says, but after. But after that. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. And we'll get involved in that in a little bit later. But I want to go straight to that of the main statement. He saved us. So you see, beloved, the contrast here is with that of our sinful past. That of our that of our sins, sinfulness, and that of what God did for us. What God did for us. And what did He do for us? He saved us. He saved us. Now we've already noted the, the meaning of the word saved in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It means deliverance. It means rescue. And there's several other. Wholeness. Health. It can mean. As we look at that of what Paul here tells Titus and reminds Titus to remind the people it's simply this. God saved us. He delivered us. He rescued us. From what? From that of our sinfulness. From that of our sins. From sin's penalty. 
Now, the remaining parts of that of verses 4 through 7, they tell us things such as how he did it. The basis upon which he did it. And the reason why he did it. Note he says, but after the kindness and love of our God uh, 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 and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. Just merely reading that statement, beloved, we can see that the love of God, that of his kindness or that of his goodness is being spoken of here. And it's with regards to that of salvation. And then you note later on, he goes on to say, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. In verse number 7, they're being justified by His grace. So we have that of God's love, His goodness, His mercy, His grace, all being referenced here in these later verses here. And it all has to do with that of our salvation. God's love. God's goodness. God's mercy and grace. Verse 5, he says, Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Paul there tells us how He saved us. He saved us by His His mercy. Verse 7, he says, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heir according to the hope of eternal life. There, beloved, we see the purpose, or one of them, that God had in mind in saving us. And that is that we might be heirs, he tells us. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now we're going to stop there this morning because we don't have time to get really involved in that of these statements. But what I want you to go away with this morning is simply this message. Paul here, he calls upon the believers to be Good citizens, he says, remind the believers to be good citizens. If we are professed believers, we need to be good citizens. He also reminds of the past. And beloved, we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that. If we're a believer in Jesus Christ, we need need to be reminded of what we were. Unless we get all puffed up. I think we're somebody. Beloved, we're no different than any other sinner. The only difference is the grace of God. The grace of God is what makes the difference. Had it not been for His grace, we'd still be doing those things that Paul spoke of. And then lastly, what God has done for us. If you're a professing Believer in Jesus Christ, He has saved you. He 
has saved you. You didn't save yourself. No. He saved you. All right. On the back of the bulletin, we have an old hymn. What a stand.
Uh, Father, may we grow uh, in every grace uh, where we confess that uh, we are unprofitable servants, that we fail in, in every way, uh, we fall short of that glory. Lord, do continue uh, your work of sanctification in each of our lives. May we uh, look more and more <coughs> like thy dear Son. Lord, bless us now as we part. Deliver us all from evil, from the evil one. And uh, Lord, uh, lead us not to temptation, direct our path. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Any more questions?